Hey everyone, welcome to the Tulia Christian Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to give online, see upcoming events, or view our service times, please visit our website at tcf.church. Amen. Hey, I want to read to you this morning out of 2 Kings chapter 4 in the Old Testament. I'm going to read seven verses to you, and I'm going to read out of the New King James Version Bible. I want to read you this story, and then I want to talk to you about it. So here we go. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, empty vessels, and do not gather just a few. And when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Did you know that 80 different times in the Bible, there are references to widows. This widow, obviously, her husband has died. They had a school of the prophets, and he was involved with Elisha, and he died. Apparently, in the story, they're in debt. They're in trouble financially. And she goes to the prophet, and she says, hey, I'm in trouble financially. My husband has died. My source of income is over, and they're coming to take my two sons, and they're going to sell them into slavery. Now, here's the first thing I want you to understand. In those days, there was no such thing as bankruptcy. There was no such thing as you reneging on a debt. If you owed money and you couldn't pay, they would come and they would take you, or they would take your children. There was debtor's prison. Then they would also sell you. That's what's happening in this story. They would sell your children into slavery and take the money and pay the debt. Now, this widow has the same problem that I had. She has the same problem that many of you have and have had. What is that? Well, you see, I owed God a debt that I couldn't pay. It's called sin. You see, I was born in sin because of Adam and Eve. And there was a gulf between me and God that I couldn't jump, I couldn't climb, I couldn't swim, I couldn't get to God. In fact, the Bible says that I was his enemy. But you see, God knew I couldn't pay that debt, just like Elisha knew she couldn't pay that debt. God didn't use oil to pay my debt. He used blood. And he sent his only son to the cross to pay a debt that I couldn't pay. That's exactly where she's at. She owes a debt that's impossible for her to pay. Here's what the prophet says to her. 
He says, what do you want me to do for you? God is asking you this morning the very same question. What do you want me to do for you? Remember blind Bartimaeus? I preached on it not very long ago. Remember, he's sitting on the side of the road and he's begging and Jesus is with a crowd and he's walking and blind Bartimaeus hears that it's Jesus and he hollers out and he says, son of David, Jesus, stop. And it says that somebody around him said, hey, shut up, fool. Right? That's what they said. Shut up, man. Don't talk to the master. But he doesn't shut up and Jesus stops. And here's what he says. You know what he asks blind Bartimaeus? What do you want? Now, don't miss this. What do you want? You remember the man that was crippled at the pool of Bethesda? He was crippled for 37 years. It's the story of sick people would lay around this pool, and uh, an angel would come and ripple the water, and whoever got in the water first was miraculously healed. Well, this man is so badly crippled that he not only can't walk, he can't even get himself into the pool. And the story says that he laid there for 37 years. Now, can you just let that sink in? Three and a half decades he laid there. And Jesus came by. And when Jesus got to him, you know what Jesus said? He said, what do you want? What do you want? Remember the lady with the the woman with the issue of blood? And Jesus was going by on the road. and, And she was in her house. And I can just see in my mind's eye her looking out the window. And she sees Jesus going by with the crowd. And she opens the door and goes out of her house. I can imagine her walking across her small yard, her courtyard, and opening the gate and going out into the street. And I can imagine her getting in behind the mob. And she gets up close and she trips and she falls down. And when she falls down, she falls forward and she grabs the hem of his garment. And it says that she's instantly healed. You see, the story says that she said within herself, I'm going to touch him, and when I do, I'm going to be made well. The prophet asked the lady, what do you want? Jesus asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want? Jesus asked the crippled man, what do you want? When the woman with the issue of blood touched him, listen, she knew what she wanted. Okay, God's asking you this morning, and he's asking me, what is it that you want? What did Jesus do? He turned around, and he said, who touched me? Now, here's a couple of amazing things in that story. You know what Jesus did not say? You're healed because of my mighty great power. No, he didn't say that. You know what else he didn't say? He didn't say, you were healed because it's my will. He didn't say that. Because, you know, if she hadn't come out of that house, if she hadn't forced her way through that crowd, she would have stayed sick. If Bartimaeus had stayed sitting on the side of the road and stayed quiet, he would have stayed blind. Are you with me? You know what? I hear all kinds of talk from good Christian folks, and all they want to talk about is what God wants to do. But I believe God's asking you this morning, what do you want? She asked him, what do you want? Well, I, 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 I need help to pay my bills. Then here's what he says. He says, well, what do you have? And you know what she says? She says the same thing I said. Well, I don't have anything. I'm just a kid from Amarillo, Texas. I grew up at 2722 Nebraska. My dad worked for the railroad, and he died when I was 18. I don't have anything. I'm an orphan. I don't have nothing. She said the very same thing. Oh, I don't have anything, Lord. All I have is a little jar of oil. Did you know that God used a guy who was thrown out of his country 
when he was 40. You see, we're Americans, and I'm proud I'm an American. But this man was a man without a country. He was exiled when he was 40. And then he spent 40 years as a hired hand working for his father-in-law, and he stuttered. And God used him and a stick to bring the most powerful nation in the world at that time to its knees. Uh, his name was Moses, and that nation was Egypt. Listen, God uses ordinary people. Abraham Lincoln said God must like ordinary people because he sure made a lot of them. Amen? You know what God wants to do? God wants to use you and he wants to use what you have right where you are. You remember Jesus was at church and he was preaching one time. And it says in the story there were 5,000 men there. And that doesn't count the women and children. I've heard estimates that there was as many as 10,000 people up to 25,000 people. I don't know. There was just a bunch of people. And they were hungry. Can you imagine making chicken spaghetti for 20,000 people? <laughs> Ladies, can you imagine doing the dishes for cooking for 25,000 people? Right? Nobody wants to be on that crew, do they? Well, there was a kid there, and he had five loaves, and he had two fish. That's all he had. You know what's interesting? The loaves were made out of barley. You know why that matters? Because that's what the common man ate. You see, the rich folks ate wheat bread, but the common folk ate barley bread, and he had five loaves of bread. And the reason that matters is just what I said already, is God wants to use ordinary common people just like you and I. And he gives that to Jesus, and Jesus feeds 25,000 people, and then there's 12 baskets left over. The prophet says, what do you have? And she says, oh, I, I don't have anything. I I just have a little bit of oil. Then he says this to her. He says, hey, go to your neighbors and borrow some vessels. Borrow some jars. They were like clay jars. Go borrow some. Have you ever thought about how when Jesus borrows something, it changes everything? Do you remember he borrowed a donkey for his triumphal entry? Do you remember he borrowed an upper room the last time uh, they had a meal together and, and had communion? Uh, the last thing he borrowed was a tomb. And he only used it for three days. And then he gave it back. Amen. The people that I know and love are in borrowed tombs. No, now, now we bought them and paid for them. You see, my mom and dad are in the ground in Amarillo, Texas. And my dad bought those plots. I don't know what it is with that generation, but they all bought plots. Listen, I don't own any plots. But my parents, they, they, I don't know if they were on sale or two for one or what they were doing. <laughs> Okay, you know, in Emerald, Texas. And, and when I was a kid, they bought those plots. And I know this is going to sound kind of weird, but we went out there and looked at our plots, and my dad laid down on his. He did. He laid down on it, right? And my mom was mad. She's like, get up. Stop it. Well, now they're both out there. But they're only there temporarily. So the prophet said, go borrow some pots. And then here's what he says. And don't borrow a few. Don't borrow a few. Listen, do you know what most men's problem is? Their God is too small. Most men's God is puny. Most men serve a small God. Now, he's not small, but we think he's small. The prophet said, don't get one or two jars. Go get a bunch of jars. Why? Because God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could dare ask, hope, or think. God, what Joe McGee said last week, he said, God loves to show off. So she goes and she borrows some jars. Then here's what he says. This is so amazing. He says, take your sons and go in the house and shut the door and pull down the blinds. 
and take that little jar and start pouring it in the big ones. Can't you just see Jesus with the five loaves? He would tear part of it off, and it's miraculously there again. And he would tear it off, and when he'd reach, it'd be there again. Well, she poured that oil, and don't you think she probably stopped and looked in that jar and thought, what in the world? And she just kept pouring, then she moved to the next one, and she kept pouring, and she moved to the next one, and she kept pouring. And she said, but do it with the doors closed and the blinds pulled down with you and just your sons. Now, why, why in the world does that matter? Because she was keeping the naysayers out. She didn't want to be infected. The prophet didn't want her to be infected with unbelief. Okay, you remember in stories in the New Testament, when Jesus raised people from the dead, he made everybody get out first. Okay, listen, be, be careful who you tell your dreams to. Be careful. Okay, only tell them to the people that really love you and are for you. Can I tell you something that is really powerful that I've learned over the years? I've done thousands of hospital visits over the years, thousands And I have literally beat the flight for life helicopter to the hospital. Now, not because I was driving that fast, but, you know, by the time it got there and picked the person up, I've been in emergency rooms where they're bringing in the person from the flight for life helicopter and there's blood dripping down off the side of the gurney and they're screaming for me to pray. I mean, I've been in intensive care units where you got to glove up and mask up and you got to go in and you got to pray. I mean, I've been in all kinds of settings praying for people. And here's something I've learned that's really powerful. Sometimes it's wise to get the naysayers out of the room first. Now, and I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not saying anything bad. I, I'm just being honest. You know, you go in and you pray for somebody and you, you lay your hands on them and you know what you want and you know what you want God to do. And then when you get done praying, there's somebody in the room that doesn't believe. There's somebody in the room that's full of unbelief. There's somebody in the room that'll finish the prayer for you, and they'll say, if it be your will. You see, the prophet asks, what do you want? The prophet's asking you, what do you want? So she poured that oil in private. She kept the unbelievers out. Now, I'm not saying that you're rude or hateful, but I'm just saying you want people around you that believe in prayer. Then here's what happens. She tells her son, hey, bring another pot. And he says, we're out of pots. And it says the miracle stopped. Do you know why it stopped? Because God didn't want to pour oil on the floor. You see, God's a God of order. God's a God of increase. Joe McGee said it last week. God's a God of order and a God of increase. God will increase what what you steward. So how does this apply to you? Now, every bit of it up to this point applies to you. But here's what I want you to see for us as a church. You're setting in a pot. It's called a service. Many, many years ago, we used to have church in the Java Cafe. And there was a wall that ran down that room, and there was a little hallway. And it was brown tile. And we had our first service in there. And you know what we did? We prayed that God would fill it up, and he did. Well, then we got the bright idea and we knocked that wall out and we made it a little bit wider and then we prayed, God, would you fill this pot up? And then he did. Well, then we used the side rooms where the nursery is now, those side rooms. We opened the doors and we put chairs in there and people sat in those side rooms and looked out the door and we asked God, God, fill up this pot and he did. Well, then we built this building right here. 
and we had one service a week. There was no, the buildings weren't connected. It was open. One Sunday, Lou was walking across, and the wind was blowing like it is this morning, about 40 miles an hour, and a piece of plywood flew up and hit her and about cut her in half. And we got the bright idea, hey, why don't we connect the buildings? And we asked God to fill up this pot, and he did. So then we added the second service, and you're sitting in it right now, the 1045 service. And we prayed every single week, God, fill up this pot and look around. He did. So what's up with Thursday night, Pastor? Well, it's a new pot. It's a new pot. So you can't ask God to give you something that he's already done. Oh, God, give me more people. You know what God says? Where are you going to put them? (laughs) Amen? Yeah. Now, listen, preachers love packed rooms. They do. I do, man. I love it when you have to sit on top of each other. Okay, but people don't like that. that no, no. You know, they've done studies, and th- I learned this. When a room is 85% full, it's full. Okay, have you ever been to the movie, and it's jam-packed? Oh, yeah, and you're sitting there with your Coke and your popcorn and the candy you bought at Allsup's that you snuck in, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I heard a guy say one time that if you sneak food into the movie, you're ghetto. Right here, ghetto. Right, right here. Yeah. We do not want a $5 candy bar. Amen? We want one from Allsup's for 79 cents. Then the Miss Vicky only buys one, and everybody gets one bite as you pass it by. <clears throat> Amen? Well, have you ever been in the movie, and you're holding your food, and you're watching the preview, and it's all good, and this lady with her six kids is late, and she's like squeezing through, trying to get into her chair, and it's packed, and she brushes her back end on your nose as she goes by? Yeah, you bit right, and and she's got all of her kids, and it's like God. Doesn't that just it bugs you, right? Now they've changed the movie in Amarillo now, where you get reservations and the seats are. It's better, okay. But here's what we're doing: we've started a Thursday night service because all of our pots are full. Amen, amen. amen. Come on, amen. <clears throat> Since the beginning of the year, we've had 57 people receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. 57 people. That does not include Ground Zero. It does not include Power Kids. It's just church services. We've had 57 people. Last week at our picnic at Cedar Canyon that so many of you came to, and we had a blast, we water baptized 17 people. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. Every baptism matters, and I know you know that. But one of the amazing things that happened this last weekend is we baptized men. It wasn't all men, but it was men. And when you reach a man, you reach his whole family. So what we're doing on Thursday night is we're creating a new pot. We're creating a new vessel And then I'm going to do exactly like I've done all the other times. I'm going to pray and ask God to fill it up. Now, just listen to this. We're not done here at Toledo Christian Fellowship. Okay, God's not done with Swisher County. God's not done with the surrounding area. We're not done. And we don't want to stay where we are. And what I mean by that is, well, let's just circle the wagons and hang out. And no, that's not our heart. 
Okay, we wanna see people saved. We wanna see people baptized. We wanna see people's marriages changed. We wanna see people's kids taken to camp. Listen, we wanna unload hell and load heaven. And we wanna do it every single week. Now, I know you know this, but let me say it. Souls matter. People matter. All right, we don't want anybody being lost and without Jesus Christ. And here's what God says. God says, if you'll do something, I'll do something. Don't you know that when that last pot filled up, don't you know that lady thought, dang it, why didn't I get another pot, right? <laughs> don't you think she thought that, right? She thought, oh, if I'd have just gotten two more pots. Well, we need more room. So we're starting Thursday night. And here's what it's for. It's so you can invite your friends People who work on Sunday can come and we can reach them and reach their families for Jesus Christ. And so we're gonna have a Thursday night service. We're gonna have a nine o'clock service. We're gonna have a 1045 service. We're gonna do ground zero. We're gonna do Power Kids. Y'all remember when Power Kids was across the street over there in that little building and we remodeled it and it would smell like sweat and pickle juice? (laughs) Amen, that's what it smelled like. Well, God filled up that pot and they were gracious to let us buy the 16 Gaines Church of Christ, and now God is filling up that pot. Everything we're doing is to reach people. Listen, every prayer you pray, every dollar you give, every time you come through these doors, it's our heart to reach you, your family, your friends, your neighbors, and the people you work with. And that God gives us an opportunity to continue to see people's lives change. Listen, myself included, All right, as I look over here from Stephen all around this room over here to Jonathan, every one of our lives have been changed by the love of Jesus Christ. My life has been changed by the love of Jesus Christ. Will's life has been changed by the love of Jesus Christ. Even Lance Cox's life has been changed by the love of Jesus Christ. Amen, come on, right? I mean, he asked me this morning if I thought his hair looked okay. And it's like it looks as good as mine does, amen? So, here's what I want you to do. Y'all do so much already, but would you please take a minute during your week and pray for the Thursday night service? Would you please come visit Thursday night? Would you maybe invite somebody and bring somebody and tell people in town, hey, we're starting a new Thursday night service, and man, if Sunday doesn't work for you, if you're at work or you're out of town for the weekend, we had people in that service who are out of town this weekend, and that's exactly what we want it to be for. It's when you're out doing other things and you're doing something else, but that there's room for you to come on Thursday night. Listen, God is not done doing amazing things, amen? Amen. Y'all stand up and let's pray. Father God, I love you. And I love this great church and my brothers and sisters. Father, I'm so humbled that I get to be a part of this, that I get to live in Tulia, that I get to be a part of Tulia Christian Fellowship. Father, I'm so humbled and I'm so honored that you would allow me to do what I do. Father, I thank you that our future is good. Our families, our kids, our grandkids, our lives, Father, they're good because of you and because of your son, Jesus. And that, Lord, we all owed a debt we couldn't pay, and you paid it for us. So, Father God, as we launch off and do this new Thursday night service, Father, give us opportunities to pray. Give us opportunities to talk to people that we know and that we love, and that, God, we continue to see miracles in our midst. Father, I love you, 
I'm thankful for all that you're doing. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, I love you. Y'all be blessed, and I'll see you next week.